The first reading is Deuteronomy 5, verses 1 to 22. Moses summoned all Israel and said, Hear, Israel, the decrees and laws I declare in your hearing today. Learn them and be sure to follow them. The Lord our God made a covenant with us at Horeb. It was not with our ancestors that the Lord made this covenant, but with us, with all of us who are alive here today. The Lord spoke to you face to face, out of the fire on the mountain. At that time, I stood between the Lord and you to declare to you the word of the Lord, because you were afraid of the fire and did not go up the mountain. And he said, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who, keep me, who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy, as the, Lord command, as the Lord your God has commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son nor your daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your ox, your donkey, or any of your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns, so that your male and female servants may rest as you do. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. Honor your father and mother as the Lord your God has commanded you so that you may live long and that it may go well with you in the land the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony against your neighbor, you shall not covet your neighbor's wife, you shall not set your desire on your neighbor's house or land, his male or female servant, his ox or donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. These are the commandments the Lord proclaimed in a loud voice to the whole assembly there on the mountain from out of the fire, the cloud and the deep darkness. And he added nothing more. Then he wrote them on two stone tablets and gave them to me. Our second reading tonight is from 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 6 to 19. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap, and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people, eager for money, have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. But you, man of God, flee from this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. In the sight of God, who gives life to everything, and of, Je and of Christ Jesus, 
who while testifying before Pontius Pilate, made the good confession, I charge you to keep this command without spot or blame until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which God will bring about in his own time. God, the blessed and only ruler, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone is immortal and who lives in unapproachable light, whom no one has seen or can see. To him be honor and might forever. Amen. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. This is God's word. Thank you uh, both very much for reading, and uh, my name is Matt, if we've not met, and uh, sadly this is um, the last evening with the Ten Commandments, I've enjoyed them, I don't know about you, but um, uh, all good things come to an end, and there isn't an eleventh, um, that would be dodgy uh, if we produce that, so we'll make do with ten, it's the last one, uh, let me do this in prayer as we begin. Great God and Father, thank you that in the commands that you give us and in the prohibitions such as this one that you give us, you give them to us because you love us and you want what is best for us and you know that coveting will never make us happy. And so, Father, would we understand this rightly? And more than that, uh, would you, by your Spirit, give us hope in the Lord Jesus Christ, so we can live this way, to our happiness and to your honour, we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. So you shall not covet. Okay, finish this sentence for me. If only I had X, I'd be happy. If only I had blank, I'd be happy. What is blank? That's the thing you dwell about. That's what you covet. I don't know what goes through your head when I say something like that. If only I had a new job, new colleagues... Uh, better friends, if only I had more money, better holidays, a nicer home, if only I had uh, his looks, her sense of humor, his wife, her kids, if only I had, then life would be fine. I'd be happy if I had that. What do we spend our time daydreaming about? Well, the Lord says, you shall not covet your well, a whole number of things we'll get to, but you shall not covet. Of the 10 words that we looked at, and uh, uh, as we've ranged over them over the last few weeks, some, I think, are uh, closer to us than others, depending upon who we are. But probably this one, don't covet. It's the one that, um, uh, that the, if the non-Christian world, and that may be you uh, sat here this evening, would look upon and say, no, seriously, what's wrong with that? 
Um, why would you put that in the same list as don't murder, don't commit adultery? Yeah, I can see they're not so good, but don't covet. No, seriously. You know, longing for stuff. That's right, isn't it? Well, there's a pretty strong warning here. It appears with many of these others. Of course, we live in a contemporary world where the encouragement to cover is everywhere, particularly in a consumer culture. Consume, 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 want stuff, want stuff, want stuff. I mean, that's kind of the message we get fed uh, all the time. So I was reading, uh, as a while ago, but uh, um, the Sunday before Christmas, because uh, Sunday before Christmas was 23rd of December this year, uh, it got known in the papers as Stampede Sunday, because it's the single day where spendings hit highest. So 1.67 million pounds spent per minute in the UK on the 23rd of December. 1.67 million per minute. I can't earn that. I can't earn that quickly. Um, but that's um, <laughs> so a lot of money being spent every minute. One uh, writer put it this to these terms: I sometimes have the horrible feeling that nobody knows how to live anymore. That we're just a horde of rampaging, greedy gutses, hungry for everything and anything we consume. consume. The problem is, none of it's nourishing in any sense. And it's not hard. You can look at the footage or any Black Friday uh, of people sort of fighting over TVs or handbags or whatever and um, rampaging greedy gutses, hungry for anything. Yeah, that's what happens when you covet. This then, obviously, the last of the 10 words, and um, in one sense, I think it does form a bit of a bookend. It's a good one to end on. Well, that's God's decision, but I think it's an appropriate finale because it addresses uh, the sort of heart motivation that lies behind many of them. It's quite possible for some, I think, to read the other of the 10 commandments and think, well, yeah, I I keep that. Uh, I had my bad days, but I've never murdered anyone, I've never committed adultery, I'm not a great thief, etc. You can think that you're okay. Jesus encounters a man uh, when he's walking by Mark 10 and and the other parallels. He says, hey, Jesus, uh, master, teacher, rather, teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Well, you you know the commandments. And Jesus lists most of them, not the 10th. So, you know, honor your parents and and don't murder and don't commit adultery and and don't steal and don't lie. And the guy says, yeah, 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 tick, tick, tick. Yeah, I've done all of those. Anything else? Yeah, just sell all you've got and give it to the poor. I'm not doing that. No, implicitly because you covet. Money's got a hold on your heart. And as soon as you've broken the 10th commandment, it must have that. You've broken the first commandment. No other gods before me. Perhaps above all others, those are the two that address the heart most obviously. You must love me above all else, says the Lord. And if you don't, you'll end up coveting something else, loving something else. And if you covet something too much, well, you don't love the Lord first. So they are appropriate bookends. But I want to look at it this way. Uh, Three little things then. What is coveting? Why is it dangerous? Without a question mark, not sure why. That is a question. And how can we resist? Okay. What is coveting? Why is it so dangerous? And how can we resist? Let's work through those three. First thing, uh, what is coveting? Two different words get used in, um, we're going to start off in Deuteronomy 5, then we'll go to 1 Timothy 6, okay? But two words get used here in Deuteronomy 5, you shall not 
covet your neighbor's wife, you shall not set your desire on your neighbor's house. And um, this isn't quite how the Bible uses the language, but I'd want to say desire minus contentment equals coveting. Okay? Desire minus contentment equals coveting. Because it's okay, lots of the desires we have are okay. You know, you walk in and think, oh, I'm thirsty, I'd like a drink. That's okay, have a drink. Okay, that's okay. You think, oh, I'm quite like a biscuit. It's okay, have a biscuit. You know, those are desires and they're fine. You can have them. In a similar way, you can say, oh, I'd, I'd actually like a better house to live in. That can be okay if you desire that, but you're content in your current situation. So uh, uh, one famous, uh, the Heidelberg Catechism puts it this way. Uh, This is the one I've been reading every time. It has some beautiful things, uh, how it expresses it. But this one, what does the tenth require? I don't know if we've got it on the screen. But what does the tenth commandment require? Question, answer. That not even the least inclination or thought, and here's the important thing, against any commandment of God ever enter our hearts, but that with our whole heart we continually hate all sin and take pleasure in all righteousness. So it's desires which go against the commandment of the Lord. Let's try and unpack that a little bit more. So as I say, I think a desire in itself is a neutral term in the Bible. But two errors you want to guard against that are pretty clear. Envy of others and a lack of contentment. So here in Deuteronomy 5, that the first is very obvious, uh, the envy of others. So uh, what do you not covet? There's a lot of things here. Your neighbor's wife, that's set up here as the most important, the relationship there. But then you get pairs after that. You shall not desire your your neighbor's house or land, male or female servant, ox or donkey. And then just to make sure we got it, or anything else that belongs to someone else, okay? Uh, Oh, no, I'm not a a donkey lover. I'm not an ox lover. I don't really care about that. I'm fine. Or anything else. Oh, okay, well, I'm fine. I quite like his phone. I'd like his phone. Um, so it's pretty broad in how it wants to be uh, fairly catch-all. Uh, why so? Why much longer than the, the preceding ones? I think, again, it's quite easy to deceive ourselves on this. And we might think, yeah, I'm not a great coveter. Pah! I'm not a materialist. Silly donkey lovers. Silly ox desirers, or whatever it may be. People who are obsessed with the house they live in or the car. Pah! I don't give a hoot about those things. But we see where someone else has gone on holiday and we think, oh, I really wish I'd done that. I'd like to go on that holiday. Or someone posts some photos of them out just having a great time. And you think, I feel a bit sick with envy. I'd like to be in that gathering. Get any of those. Coveting any of those, I think. So be wary of the, the envy of others. You resent what someone else has got. But in the end, I think it's a lack of contentment is uh, the key issue. And uh, I don't know where you are, but uh, do flick on to uh, uh, 1 Timothy 6, which is one of the great New Testament passages on that. Page uh, 1194. 1 Timothy 6. Got to be wary for a lack of contentment. Paul declares, uh, 1 Timothy 6, verse 6, that godliness with contentment is great gain. That's then contrasted with the the situation in the city of Ephesus, 
where uh, Paul is writing this letter to Timothy, and um, they're clearly some false teachers, and they're in it for the money. He says, no, no, not you, Timothy. You want to be godly with contentment. That's great gain. Let's contrast that with uh, these false teachers, verses 9 and 10. Uh, Those who want to get rich, they fall into temptation and a trap into many foolish and harmful desires, plunge people into ruin uh, and destruction. So don't be like them. You want to have godliness and contentment. So coveting is when you want something so much that it steals your contentment. So again, you might think, I desire a bar of chocolate. Fine. You think, I'd really like a bar of chocolate. Well, you can't have one. Oh, all right. I'd like it, but I can't have it. That's fine. And you just move on. Your contentment, your life is not destroyed. Okay? Uh, by contrast, I'd like a bar of chocolate. We can't have one. Why not? Well, they're 80 pence, and you haven't got any money. And you roll it round in your head, and you think, I want chocolate. I need chocolate. I steal chocolate. <laughs> okay, obviously, I mean, it's a silly example, but desire, but you can't have it. Well, okay. Desire, no, I must have it. Take it. Well, let's be more realistic. You might desire to get paid more. I, I, I'd love to get paid more. Well, okay, that might be fine. Why do you want to get paid more? Well, to be honest, I want to have a deposit to one day buy a flat. In Mayfair, ha um, But, um, yeah, you want to get paid a lot more. Uh, but, uh, you know, I'm saving for a deposit, okay? Or, um, actually, I just want to earn more to be able to give more. Great, good for you. Or, um, I want to earn more because I'm better than him, and he gets paid more than me. I just don't think that's just. Well, that might be okay. It's just an issue of justice. It's all right. Those things are all right. I, I want to get paid more. I desire to get paid more. Okay, well, you can't, that can't happen for two years. All right. I'm fine with that. I desire it, but I can live with the fact I'm content even if I don't get it. That's right. By contrast, no, I must have that. And if I, if I can't get more money, that stresses me out. That is what I think about when I'm sat on the tube and I'm thinking, I'm thinking I bet I, you earn more than me and you earn more than me. I earn more than you, obviously. But, um, uh, and you're, just, you're, you're mentally doing this and you lie awake at night on your bed thinking, no, I, I need to earn more. Or you switch jobs for one where you do earn more, but it breaks you. Your life is completely out of kilter. You gear your life in such a way that you have to be earning a certain amount of money and therefore you have to be doing a certain thing and you, ha- and you put yourself under enormous pressure. Now, you clearly coveted them. Desire for, desire for things is going to be fine. If you can be te- can content while you wait or you haven't got them, but desire without contentment, no, you're coveting. Must have. Must have. Elsewhere, Colossians 3, verse 5, Paul would say that desire is idolatry, that sort of desire, when you can't be content. You desire something so much that you lose contentment in the Lord. You're worshipping something else. That is a covetousness, which is idolatry. That's what it is. What is is coveting? It's desire minus contentment. Uh, Let's move on. Why is it dangerous? 
let me uh, chuck you out three things. Uh, why is it so dangerous? Well, one would be it's the root of all, uh, root of all other sins. I mean, even here, uh, uh, 1 Timothy 6, verse 10, the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Nothing wrong with money. Money can be very useful, but the love of it, it is the, the root from which all other things can go wrong. It's no great surprise. I mean, you read Jesus, he'll say, murder doesn't start with murder. It starts with anger. Anger is the root of murder. That's what happens when it fully flourishes. And lust, well, that's the root of adultery. That's what happens when it flourishes. And coveting, well, coveting is certainly the root of stealing. That's how it begins. But it just can, it robs you, always robs you of contentment. So what do you think about really matters? And you need to know that. What do you think about and spend your time thinking about really matters? So probably the other classic New Testament passage on contentment is uh, Philippians 4. Do not be anxious about anything, but Paul will continue chapter 4, uh, verse 8. Whatever is true, whatever is noble... Whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, whatever is excellent or worthy of praise, think about those things. Because what you think about matters. And if you think about those things, you won't be anxious. And if you think about those things, you can be generous, all sorts of good things flow from it. But think about those things. This is a mild tangent, but a question got asked in our uh, staff meeting this week. Um, uh, what do we do about, um, what advice do you give, you know, when's it okay to watch sort of violent films or films which have got sexually explicit content and, and when, when, when do you draw the line? To which the answer is really, well, probably you can't legislate on such things. But if you watch something and afterwards you just, it just goes round and round in your mind, that ain't good. If you watch something which is particularly violent and think, yeah, I'd like to do that. I'd like to do that. I'd like to smash someone up like that. That's not good. Or actually, if you watch something which is particularly violent and it just normalizes it, it yeah, yeah, yeah it's, it's fine to sort of chuck stuff and throw knives and everyone should have guns and normalize it, that's probably not good for you either. I mean, if you watch violence and it has no impact upon you, it's okay in one sense. I can't legislate. But what do you dwell upon afterwards? You know, we went with our family. We watched, what's it called? Uh, Avengers Endgame. You know, I'm not going to pick up a big hammer, okay, or a big axe and throw it around and wait for it to come back to me. I'm not going to do that. You know, it just, it's just not, doesn't really work. Uh, it was fine. I quite enjoyed it. But it's not going around in my head all the time afterwards. Same with sex, you know, sexually explicit stuff on, on telly. If afterwards you just... You, and you're fully, you know, you're wildly excited. It's not good for you. But more simply, the principle here is what you think about it really matters. And think about good things, whatever is true, noble, pure, excellent, worthy of praise. Or if you think about clothes, diamonds, cars, then that's going to affect you. What you think about has an impact upon you. Don't be naive. So I guess, and this is not a rhetorical question, but you want to ask this. This weekend, what have I been thinking loads about? 
And how has that affected me? Now, there'll be a variety of opinions in the room. For some, it'll be just prosaic. For some, you know, all weekend I've just been thinking, I really want to go to bed. <laughs> well, yes, fine, go to bed. Uh, I just want to have a nice sleep. You know, whatever. For some, I've just been obsessing about this thing that I'd love to purchase, this person that is out of bounds, this, to be honest. Uh, there's just one thing. Uh, uh, why, is it, why is it dangerous? Well, there's the first. It's the root of all other sorts of sins. Uh, second little thing, uh, let me highlight biblically. Coveting causes fights. James is pretty clear on this. We've got James 4, uh, verses 1 and 2. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire but do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. Now, we all know that. I want, they want, can't both have, boom, fight. That's just what happens all the time. Happens in the office. Uh, competition, so I read this week, Change UK, huzzah, a new party set up to bring in a new kind of politics. Uh, and yet their leading activist quit on Thursday saying, it's just the same. Old style maneuvering, power struggles and nepotism. It's a fight. Get it in the office. I want the power. Well, I want the power. Well, I've got a better voice than yours, sorry, the, the, um, or whatever. Um, uh, I want that client. I want that client. I want. Why? I, I desire that client. I think it would work really well. But if I don't, it's okay. I can be content with that. I desire, and if I don't get them, I will. To obvious one in the workplace. Uh, status amongst friends. Sadly, you get this sometimes. I want to be Billy's best friend. I am Billy's best friend. But hold on a minute. Who is this? Kevin muscling in on Billy. But I am Billy's best friend. Um, and, uh, oh, you seem to be getting on quite well. Now I will undermine you to everyone else so that, once again, I become Billy. I mean, it's pathetic but I'd be surprised if you've all not observed it. Even in the last year. Maybe not quite that crass. Maybe not someone going like that. But that, no, I, I, my friend, my friend, I'm the best friend. Yeah, it's normal, it happens all the time. Power in the office, status amongst friends. In a marriage, priorities in a marriage, most fights are, well, I covet to spend time on X. Well, I covet that that time is spent on Y. Well, therefore, we will have a fight. I long for our money to be spent on this. I long for our money to be spent on that. Well, let's have a fight. Where do most quarrels come from? You covet. And you can't get. You fight. Okay. It's the root of all sorts of sins. Um, it causes fights. And uh, I think in our culture, here's one worth mentioning, of course. We're just taught that it's good. We're taught that coveting is good. So, uh, some will kind of forget that before the financial crash in 2008, levels of debt, household debt, were the highest they've ever been in history. But now in 2019, they're 40% higher on average, the per capita level of debt in this country. 
because credit is the great enemy of contentment. Enormous enemy of contentment. Why wait when you can just borrow money and have it? And we're taught that's good. It was something from The Economist a little while ago. I thought it was an evocative picture. Um, just observing. You got that little thing from The Economist? I don't know if you can read it. Let me read it to you. <clears throat> this was their leader uh, a little while ago. Affluent countries have not grown happier as they've grown richer. Capitalism is adept at turning luxuries into necessities. Bringing to the masses what the elites have always enjoyed. But the flip side of this genius is that people come to take for granted things that they once coveted from afar. People are stuck on a treadmill. As they achieve a better standard, standard of living, they become inured to its pleasures. Now, we know that's true. So if you are an ultra-high net worth individual, uh, what, what, what at one point is fine and is luxury, well, then everyone else has it. So you have to go for slightly more bizarre luxury and slightly more bizarre luxury. And, uh, well, okay, well, the other people are going on holiday to this island that I love. Well, I shall go on holiday to the island in an elite car, and I shall arrive by helicopter, and I shall put art on the walls, which has cost £69 million per painting. Because that's what you have to do, because everyone's trying to... I, I want to differentiate myself. And we all play that game. So at one stage in our life, we're happy with... Clothing from store X, whatever it is, Primark, and then we want to move up to m and I don't know what I'm talking about. Uh, and then we move up a few other layers. Um, and uh, yeah. so, uh, uh, bizarrely, I belong to uh, a gym locally here in Mayfair. Uh, they, I got given membership due to my standing in the community. <laughs> um, uh, amazing. Um, but it's striking what I walk around. It, I, mean, I don't want to be uncouth about it. But everyone's got designer pants. And you think pants are just pants. The elastic is no better if Mr. Calvin and Mrs. Klein have put them together or Bjorn Borg has knitted them for you. They're just pants. But everyone's got designer pants apart from me, I'm afraid to say. I don't know, that's an unhelpful thing. <laughs> just got to have more. So I was reading about weddings. Obviously, we're about to enter sort of wedding season. Did you know last summer, the average cost of a wedding in the UK was £30,000? I don't think many here spend that amount. Uh, although I do do karaoke for um, 5000 if you um, <laughs> if you're feeling you need to uh, bump up your... Um, um, I do karaoke. That makes no sense, does it? Anyway, five grand is fine. The... Um, Amazing. I was just talking about the things that are becoming popular. So DJs are less popular now. Uh, photo booths are big. Some of you probably know this. Particularly, you, want, you need to have extravagant photo booths with flower walls. This is apparently the, the Hollywood thing. You have a big elaborate. And uh, other, other uh, celebrities I was reading about, uh, I won't name any names, but one had um, multicolored alpacas wandering around the reception because, do they spit like llamas? I I think they, why would you want an animal crawling under its, um, this is amazing. Uh, one celebrity had two anima animatronic velociraptors on the dance floor. For 100,000 pounds, you can cloud seed the sky in some uh, East Asian resorts, guaranteeing you can be rain free. Sean Parker, you know, uh, um, Mr. Napster, then was early days of Facebook billionaire. Uh, I read about his wedding. 
uh, of the 500 guests, every one of them had a custom-made outfit that was uh, designed for them by an uh, Oscar-winning Hollywood designer. The reception was an enchanted forest, and every guest upon arrival was given a rabbit. <laughs> Not to eat, just a rabbit to play with in the forest. I mean, is that a good thing? Uh, what do you do when you've got so much money and you think, well, I want my wedding to be better? They're all just on the treadmill. And you can laugh, and rightly so, I think, at such sort of stupid spending. But we're all on the consumer treadmill. I used to shop there. I want to shop there. I used to go to this restaurant. Now I want to go to that restaurant. Just want to, everything to get nicer. You're on the treadmill. And even the economist would say, it's a treadmill. You're not getting any happier. You're just working harder and spending more money on the same things with more expensive labels attached to them. Just not going anywhere. So you can try this on the way home. What is it that you've been coveting? Particularly there's a thing, possession. Why not all on the way home? If you go home on the tube, it doesn't really work if you're a bicyclist, bicyclist, cyclist. But if you go by tube, just all go, try and walk down the up escalator or try and walk up the down escalator. Just do that for a few minutes. Okay? Just do that. I, you're going nowhere. And think, okay, while I'm doing this, and one or two are looking at me, while I'm doing this, I'm going to think about the things that I covet and just think how stupid it is that I spend all my time on this. And you're going nowhere. Don't all do it at the same time. That would cause, uh, uh, particularly if you all go to Green Park, <laughs> Who wanted? Oh, we go to Christchurch Mayfair. Loonies! No, don't all do it at no, no, the same time. Stupid Christians can't even use an escalator. Don't, don't do that. That wouldn't, wouldn't work very well, would it? But you're going nowhere. Look, why is it dangerous? It's the root of other sins. It causes fights. And I think particularly in our culture, we're told it's good. Makes it particularly dangerous. Lastly, let's push on. How, how can we resist? One of the best things, I think, to read on this, if you want to read something, uh, Jeremiah Burroughs wrote, wrote a book 500 years ago, The Rare Jewel of Christian Contentment, which uh, it's a rare jewel because not many get there, but he can. He defines contentment as a deep satisfaction in the heart that trusts and delights in God's fatherly care in every circumstance. I think that's lovely. Contentment is a deep satisfaction in the heart that trusts and delights in God's fatherly care in every circumstance. Look, you can aspire to anything if you're content alongside it. Let me give you a few things from 1 Timothy 6. Let me just give you four things to help. First is this, be content if you have what you need, verses 7 and 8. We brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Be content if you have what you need. You can have a more expensive X, a bigger Y, but if you've got that, if you've got food and clothing, you can be content. You can go and eat in a more expensive restaurant, and you might think, oh, this is a delicious meal, but in the end, it'll take the same journey as beans on toast and probably do you about the same amount of good. And you can live in a nicer house for a while, but in the end, you move on. 
you've got food and clothing, well, just be content that you've got what you need. Do you know what? I'm pretty confident, in fact, I'm 100% certain, there is no Christian believer who's died and is now in glory with Jesus and is saying to him, you know, Jesus, I really wish in my life on earth I'd worn nicer clothes. Jesus, I really wish in those four years, five years I lived in London, I ate more food. Jesus, I really wish I'd spent more time chasing after the perfect body. No one is saying that in heaven. No one. They're saying, Jesus, you gave me what I needed. You gave me forgiveness. You gave me eternal life. And while I was on earth, you gave me what I needed. You gave me food, you gave me drink, you gave me shelter. And I had everything I needed to be content. And now? Now I'm enjoying myself more than I thought was possible. Look, be content if you have what you need now. Uh, Second thing will be, know that coveting is a trap. Verses 9 and 10, those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and have pierced themselves with many griefs. It's such evocative language, isn't it? Next time you're conscious of coveting, you might think to yourself, well, I don't want to plunge myself into ruin. Next time you you think, actually, this weekend, all I've thought about is X. Why not go to the top of, I don't know, the Sky Garden, you go to the top of St. Paul's Cathedral, the Whispering Gallery, and throw yourself off. No, don't do that. Um, But I think, I may as well throw myself off, because if I cover, 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 I'm just plunging myself into ruin. Don't do that. Don't throw yourself off, and don't cover it. It ruins you. Yet modern culture often thinks that the way to satisfy my soul is more worldly comforts, Nicer flat, family, friends, improved car, catering, career. Jeremiah Burroughs, he puts it sweetly. I mean, he's writing 400 years ago, actually. But um, he says, imagine meeting a man. You come across a man who says, oh, I'm really hungry. I'm really hungry. (gasps) And you say to him, what are you doing? He says, I'm really hungry. And if I can just breathe in enough air, then I'll stop being hungry. In fact, can you blow in my mouth? (sighs) What are you doing? I just need more air. No, you fool. Air will not take away your hunger. And he says, just say to yourself, when you find yourself thinking, I really need, I really need, whatever it is, a new romantic relationship, just stand there and go, (gasps) I think, that's not what's going to satisfy me. I may as well be a hungry man thinking the, the wind will fill me up. It won't. It's a trap to think that way. You do realize, don't you, when God says, do not covet, he's saying, look, do not covet because I want you to be happy. And you'll never be happy. You'll never be content if you spend all your time coveting. And I want that for you. Be content if you have what you need. Know that coveting is a trap. Third, pretty obviously, verse 11, flee. Here's the contrast between those who covet and don't know contentment. 
Paul writes, verse 11 of chapter 6, you, man of God, flee, flee from all this and pursue righteousness and godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Practically, ask yourself, what is it that I long for? What is it that I spend all my time dwelling upon? And I'm just going to stop it by chasing after other things instead. By thinking Philippians 4 verse 8, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is excellent, whatever is worthy of praise. I'm going to think about these things. I'm going to, uh, chapter 6 here, verse 11, pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, gentleness. I'm going to pursue these things rather than letting my mind just dwell upon the stuff. It is amazing. Often we are like little children. Uh, you know how it works at Christmas time. A little child says, I must have. I must have. And uh, you get these parents sort of desperately trying to buy the latest toy that's the fashionable toy that year, whatever, Lego X or Dinosaur Y or Robot G. Uh, and these are the things that are selling out and therefore parents are paying hundreds of pounds on eBay. for the And the child says, I must have. Uh, and then come March, it's just discarded and they're bored of it and they're done with it. Must have. And then oh, we can be like that as adults. Must have. And then we get and think, oh. And sometimes we just don't value the stuff we do have. A few years ago, three years ago, uh, my teenage son, we bought him a, um, it was his birthday actually, we got him a smoothie mixer. And he opened it and said, what is this? <laughs> it's a smoothie maker. You can make milkshakes and smoothies. That is the worst present anyone has ever bought me. Three years later, he's still using it. <laughs> and it gives him an enormous amount of pleasure when he makes milkshakes, which is basically like four balls of ice cream and a load of milk, and that's it. Um, but um, enormous pleasure. And sometimes we just don't value the things. We, oh, what's this? Forgiveness? Eternal life? Yeah, yeah, whatever. I know those things. I, want, I need something else. I need to... Sometimes we're very childish. Be content with what you, if you've got what you need. Know that coveting is a trap. Flee from coveting. Look, last thing, put your hope in God. Verse 17. Put your hope in God. Verse 17. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Oh, put your hope in God who richly provides us with everything. Not that you click your fingers and say, I want a jacuzzi and he'll give it. But everything you have, he has provided. He provides richly. Everything comes from his hand. And don't doubt his good provision. The Lord Jesus Christ had everything in glory with his father. Then, of course, came down to earth. And as the son of man had nowhere to lay his head. And you know why he did that. You know if you're a Christian. Because his contented desire was you. He's done that for you. And he will give you everything you need. We're going to sing in a moment as we finish. Classic Gadsby hymn, Immortal Honours Rest on Jesus' Head. 
I wonder if we can just shove up the third verse. Can we do that? Jacob, thank you. On the screen. My every need, he, the Lord Jesus, richly will supply, nor will his mercy ever let me die. In him there dwells a treasure all divine, and matchless grace has made that treasure mine. Do you understand that? My every need he richly will supply. There's nothing mean in God our Father. His mercy will never let you die eternally. He'll never let you go. In him there dwells a treasure all divine. He owns everything. He is glorious. And he shares his glory and his riches and his governance of the new creation with you. You lack nothing in him. So don't covet things that will never make you happy. But whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, but think about these and think about him. Let's take a moment of quiet and then I'll lead us in prayer. My great God and Father, we pray that you'd help us to be honest. Honest as we chat to others, honest with ourselves uh, about the desires we have, and many of them are fine and and right and, and healthy. But Father, desires which steal contentment, desires which mean we cannot be satisfied without this thing. Help us to be honest about how Various things, possessions, daydreams, aspirations, people captivate our hearts. And Father, would we recognize that? Would we recognize that filling ourselves up with air will never make us happy? And as we chase after stuff, as we covet stuff, we can just be on the treadmill going nowhere. But Father, our hearts were made for you. And it is in the Lord Jesus Christ we find one who can bring us contentment, who loves us, who has secured all that we need for eternity and here and now provides the food and the shelter that we need for this life. Father, would we know that our every need you will supply, that you'll never let us go, And when we see you face to face, we will know a richness, a fullness in every sense that's beyond compare. Father, help us to trust you, to love you, and not covet stuff that makes us miserable, we pray in Jesus' name.